Hello everyone, this is Sean Fit 50 and welcome to the Health and Sexy Show. This is our third episode. I'm feeling good today. I hope all of you are feeling excellent as well. Um, just wanted to report my father-in-law, I call him my pops, he's like my actual father, had a terrible accident, um, car accident here recently. My wife had to fly um, in to make sure everything was okay with him, fortunately. He suffered minor injuries, um, to include a broken um, collarbone, and the other driver was not hurt that bad as well, so very thankful for that. Um, but not only um, did my wife make it in to see her father, her, his um, sons made it in as well, along with some grandchildren, to make sure um, he was doing fine after this accident. Again, he's recovering well. The family support system was activated, and everything was taken care of, especially since he is the primary caregiver for his wife. He does everything for, you know, he used to call me a henpeck when I first started dating and eventually married his daughter, but um, come to find out he's the number one henpeck, and I'm going to say it to his face later. Um, but uh, I'm very happy, again, that my pops is doing well. Um, but it's amazing how families come together in the healthcare field, especially in cardiac surgery. I've seen this many, many times. Uh, unfortunately, um, with heart surgery and, and these sudden needs to activate the family support system, there's a whole lot of logistical issues that have to be taken into consideration. Um, you know, family flying from out of town, they have jobs, they have children, they have responsibilities that have to be postponed, placed on hold, or um, an alternative route has to be found to take care of them to allow um, their presence at their loved one's side. Um, when their family member comes in with, you know, symptoms suggestive of um, blood flow to their heart being inadequate, also known as ischemia, um, our cath lab team is activated, and they come in, and, and they do the films, the imaging of the heart arteries to check for blockages. If there's a simple single blockage there, most of the time the cardiologist can easily fix that, but when there's complex blockages or multiple blockages, then we're called in the heart surgery team to uh, perform bypass surgery on these patients. So um, it goes from a typical one to two day hospital stay to a three, sometimes up to a week stay when you undergo open heart surgery. So um, quite a bit more extensive than simply placing stents. And it's always a surprise when I talk to a patient and, and tell them that they need heart surgery to um, address their coronary artery disease. They typically come in and um, hoping that a stent is going to be what they need and go home simply and easily after that. But um, a lot of times, you know, but, you know, a stent is not enough and open heart surgery is required. This is when the family call is called in to be by their side. You know, what um, parent isn't going to call their child, their adult child, and let them know what's going on with their health especially when it comes to an urgent situation um, such as open-heart surgery and let them know about it and the knee-jerk reaction and the typical correct reaction of their children is to 
want to be by their their parents by their loved one's side so um you see it they put down whatever it is they're doing their business their um personal lives you know their children they they coordinate around it and they're flying in town and you know florida is the um, retirement capital of the united states at least so Many, many people have moved here from, you know, up north from the Midwest and even as far away as California to resettle here in Florida for, again, you know, pleasurable or pleasant weather along with the lower cost of living, which allows them to stretch, you know, those retirement dollars. Um, but when they when they move to Florida, they don't bring their families with them, at least the children and the grandchildren. They stay wherever they um, originally resided of where they have eventually moved to as part of their professional careers and um, the parent is is in Florida or the parents are typically here in Florida alone um, without any adult supervision we can say you know they they tend to not be as compliant as they should be with their medication and um, therapeutic lifestyle change regimens you know eating clean and healthy um, being more active and exercising most days of the week. Um, and no one knows about this until something like um, a heart attack and the need for a stent and in the worst case scenario, open heart surgery is needed. When the children fly into town, um, when I see them, usually the first question I get is, you know, how did this happen? You know, the physician assistant the mid-level provider, you know, nurse practitioners, we're usually quite honest and candid, and um, the family feels comfortable talking to us, and we will spend the time to address their questions in, in the best way possible. And um, they're often surprised to find out that their loved one has diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol or that their chronic health condition has been very poorly controlled with you know, a history of high blood sugars for an extended period of time or history of high blood pressure for an extended period of time despite being prescribed medications and interventions to lower that blood pressure. And often the family member hasn't even been seen by the doctor and, and uh, the, the children, the other family members are completely oblivious of this and are quite often surprised when they find out the, the actual truth about their loved one's health and, and what they've been doing. Um, so the the health information isn't being shared from family member to family member. Um, and this level of secrecy, you know, it's understandable. We have personal health information, everything, everyone, when we, and, you know, we come into contact with in and around the doctor's office. You know, we, we're signing paperwork um, to identify who can see our personal health information. We are told to not to divulge any of our personal health information. Um, so we, we tend to be secretive about it and, and not to even mention, you know, the cultural implications about how we share information. You know, some cultures is very sensitive to have, you know, a chronic disease or a sickness, especially for men who um, can be viewed as, you know, less than manly, not virile, you know, impotent if they suffer from diseases that are quite common, such as diabetes or high blood pressure, and they don't want that embarrassment 
of being labeled with that and, and not being thought of as a big strong man so they kind of keep it secretive and, and don't get the treatment or don't follow the treatment that they may need to keep these um silent killers under control and allow them to progress into um, something that makes a whole lot more noise such as a heart attack or stroke um, also people don't want to be a burden to their loved ones you know I talked to a gentleman one time he was a diabetic very poorly controlled he was um, somewhat compliant with with his medications but he was extremely non-compliant with his dietary recommendations and, and I asked him why and he mentioned he didn't want to be a burden on his wife she was busy you know, and he didn't want to add any extra um, burden on her. So he just, you know, relegated himself to eating fast food nearly every day, um, which caused his blood sugars to spiral out of control over an extended period of time and accelerated um, the development of heart disease. And he ultimately suffered a heart attack and required um, open heart surgery. Uh, patients don't want to be bossed around or people you know, parents don't want to be bossed around by their children, you know, by their adult children. So a lot of times they'll keep their health um, and wellness issues to themselves as well. You know, I had a patient one time um, while I was in the room, she was talking with a daughter who was right there and, and told her I've been a child once and a parent three times. She was in essence telling her daughter she was not her child. She's been a child only one time to her parents and she's not going to be bossed around by her daughter. And to basically for her to stay out of her business, I thought it was a pretty slick comment. Um, the daughter was, you know, upset, and, and, and as you can imagine, but I think the parent was right because the daughter was being quite aggressive um, as I talked to them about her heart disease and what the plan was um, for taking care of it. Um, you know, computers have made our information, you know, a lot easier to access, but there are people out there, we have these, um, bad players who want to steal our information. You know, it's the age of information insecurity. Um, people are stealing personal data. I, get, I received a letter myself uh, a few weeks ago saying that my personal data had been compromised and to be on the lookout, and um, they had taken the appropriate steps to ensure that it didn't happen again and that um, um, they would do their best in the future to let me know if anything else was found out. So I was quite surprised to receive that letter. Um, I'm always hearing about the card skimmers on gas pumps. I know that's big in Florida. Um, I'm not sure about everywhere else, but typically if it's big in one place, they start to find out about it and it kind of spreads. So I'm assuming um, everywhere now people are <laughs> somewhat hesitant about using their um, debit cards and credit cards at gas pumps, worrying about that information being stolen. And the old-fashioned trick of phishing, the email tactic of stealing your data by sending you an email with an attachment that has a, a virus or a program on it that allows the person to, to get access to your sensitive information on your computer and, and, you know, potentially ruin your life or at least your credit. So um, there's lots of reasons why we've, been, we've become real reticent real hesitant to divulge our, you know, personal health information, you know, which it doesn't need to be um, given to everyone, but our family members, our loved ones should be aware of our health issues if we have them, our health and wellness plans if we have one to prevent 
um, chronic disease, and 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 they should be helping us out. You know, they they are our our best cheerleaders. They are our army. They're going to support us the whole way. So our family needs to know about um, health problems that um, other family members have. Um, you know, we've forgotten who the good guys are, but our family members are still the good guys, despite all the other bad players out there. So um, we need to communicate our health and wellness to our loved ones. You know, our current medical problems, if we have uh, or suffer from, you know, chronic diseases and, th and our treatment plans as well need to be communicated. Um, th these need to be communicated to our loved ones if they exist. You know, not only does it make them aware of what's going on, but it helps the family, helps us to compile a list of, of medical issues or medical concerns that are prevalent in our family. It helps to compile a family medical history, which is important to allow you to understand what chronic medical conditions that you may be prone um, to having. Doesn't mean that you will definitely succumb to these illnesses, but you need to be aware of what you are genetically predisposed to so you can take the appropriate steps to prevent that. Um, we also need to share our progress and updates with our loved ones as far as our chronic diseases such as, you know, our recent lab tests, our recent doctor's visits, you know, what our blood pressures and blood sugars have been running. We need to share this information, you know, so they are aware of it and can help us um, better um, manage our chronic illness. You know, if we don't suffer from chronic diseases and, again, we have some type of healthy living and avoidance plans such as, you know, we're eating healthy, we're being more active and exercising, we need to um, share this information with our loved ones as well. They know, um, oh, they will know that we are actively um, working to prevent chronic disease, you know, and that none currently is present, but um, we are taking the steps to prevent that, and they can do and provide the same type of input as well to keep us on track and accountable for our health and wellness plans. Um, this allows us, you know, you know, sharing and communicating our health and wellness information to our loved ones allows us to, you know, develop accountability partners, people that hold us accountable to complying with our medical treatment regimen or our health and wellness regimen, whichever one applies to us. And um, our loved ones become our biggest cheerleaders, like I've mentioned before. They become our teammates, you know. They help us remain focused and disciplined and continue to do the things that we need to do to ensure our health and wellness, our longevity, our improvements in the quantity and quality of our lives. Um, so this communication of information, this team dynamic, um, this all is collaboration, you know, this is the preferred approach, you know, collaborating, um, the preferred approach for tackling complex problems such as chronic disease. Um, just think about any complex situation, you know, there hasn't been just one per person summoned to address the problem and be the savior. It's typically a team of highly qualified people, typically with different expertises that come together and, and, and really are able to best handle these complex situations. You know, you can think about the Manhattan Project, which teamed up dozens of scientists from many countries 
to develop a, a nuclear project, uh, actually a nuclear weapon, I'm sorry, um, led by Robert Oppenheimer. You know, in my research, I was surprised to find out that Al Albert Einstein wasn't directly involved with the Manhattan Project. I thought the whole time that Albert Einstein was intimately involved in the development of the nuclear weapon, but um, he wasn't a member of the Manhattan Project. He um, was important in developing the idea of nuclear fission, but not the development of the nuclear bomb. And just think about the last five times that aliens invaded um, the Earth. Who saved us from them? It was the Avengers, you know, Iron Man, um, Thor, the Hulk, Black Widow. I'm not sure what superhero power she has or um, Hawkeye, but they, they do a great job, too. They have special skills they bring to the team. But the Avengers collaborated to repel um, attacks from, from alien invaders and allows us to live <laughs> you know, our lives today, you know, free of danger. So I'm very thankful for the Avengers and all they've done and, you know, bringing, bringing us back after the snap. So thank you, um, Iron Man. Um, so who should our collaboration, who should our collaboration team, our collaborating team consist of, you know? It, well, it should start with our healthcare professionals, obviously. They're the ones who diagnose um, our disease, who identify our predisposition for disease, and um, we definitely need to be communicating and working with our healthcare professionals when it comes to improving our health and wellness. Um, I mentioned before, uh, integral members include our family, you know, our family members, our direct family, you know, our spouses, our, um, if we're older adults, our children and grandchildren. If we are not older adults, you know, our, you know, still we need to be collaborating with our parents, you know, and, and if we're real young, our grandparents and our children as well. I'm 47. My mother's in her 60s. My in-laws are in their you know, upper 70s, lower 80s. You know, I have children in their 20s, so I'm talking with everyone. I'm collaborating up and down all levels with every adult in my um, family unit, along with my children, my younger children as well, my 12-year-old and my 18-year-old. I talk to them about my health and wellness and, and discuss that on quite a frequent basis so um, they're aware of what's going on. Um, and this interaction needs to be constant. It shouldn't be a one and done. You know, you need to be talking with your, you know, your health and wellness team, your collaborative team on a, on a regular basis. You know, I would think at least once a month, um, but once or twice a month, you know, it would be optimal to keep everyone informed as, as far as how you're doing, updated on health parameters such as your weight, such as your blood and um, blood pressure and blood glucose levels if you suffer from chronic disease, things like that, just so um, this can be trended and, and any um, abnormalities can be identified early. And this collaboration helps to improve your compliance with your health and wellness regimens, you know, regimens if you suffer from chronic disease and, and regimens to help you prevent um, chronic disease by, you know, sticking to healthy eating and, and exercise programs. Um, and if you are a sufferer of chronic disease, to not only do that, but to also take your medicines as directed to do the monitoring that's required, such as blood glucose and blood pressure monitoring. And, you know, seeing your healthcare professional regularly to 
follow up and and to check laboratory testing and anything else that needs to be done to ensure you know that you live as long as possible and as free as possible from preventable preventable medical complications you know you don't want to wait for something like a hospitalization or a near-death experience to happen before you um, begin to comply or begin to follow the instructions of your healthcare professionals when it comes to your health and your wellness. Um, letting your family ne- members know also creates that preemptive effect. You know, you're able to notice a trend. If my my mother-in-law calls me and tells me her blood sugar for the last, you know, three or four days has been running in the 300s, um, something's wrong. Her blood sugar is, is, is always good, so we need her to get in sooner than later to see her doctor and to get to the bottom of what this problem is. So by collaborating um, with your health and wellness team, by communicating with your health and wellness team, um, it improves your compliance with the health and wellness regimens, and it also helps to serve as an early warning system um, to identify a problem before it becomes um, a big deal. Um, These three things that we're doing, communicating, collaborating, and complying, I like to call it a 3C model. You know, it's a way that we can really get on top of our health and wellness, develop a team, talk with that team, and improve our outcomes with our health, you know. Um, Because typically, most people, again, with these silent killers, there's no cues to address um, your health and wellness issues. I haven't mentioned this yet in, in my podcast, but I have rheumatoid arthritis, and I don't wish um, rheumatoid arthritis on my worst enemy because it's some of the worst pain you can imagine. It's part and parcel of having rheumatoid arthritis, but I was born at the right time and during the right era where we have excellent medications to treat um, this disabling disease. So um, despite having RA, as it's called, I'm able to have a fully functioning life um, I have very little of any joint deformity, and my prognosis is excellent. But I'm very compliant with my medications. And why am I very compliant with my medications and my, you know, health follow-ups and everything else I have to do? It's because if I don't, I have pain that is unbearable. I am an invalid stuck in the bed, and it feels like someone is has a drill drilling into my joints continuously and it's almost unbearable so um, other diseases doesn't don't have this this kind of symptom that kind of forces you to comply with uh, medication your health regimen so uh, that needs to be kept in mind we don't uh, most of us don't have cues that kind of force us to address our health so we have to develop that collaborative um, approach and and work together to make sure we're doing the right thing so well, let's move on to our, our healthy um, person of the, of the podcast. You know, damn, she's, he- she's healthy. I'm telling you, I'm looking at um, the Wikipedia page for Jennifer Lopez, you know. She's a 50-year-old bombshell. She was a dancer, but currently is a dancer, an actress. She's a singer, multiple hit movies, multiple hit songs. You know, she danced back in the day and in, on In Living Color. I remember that. Um, she's engaged to one of the greatest um, Major League Baseball players ever. You know, she's living La Vida Loca. She's living the dream. Um, and, but she's definitely healthy. 50 years old, you look at her through her career, 
and you can tell one thing Jennifer Lopez has put in the work to maintain a very healthy appearance so let me give you a quote from J-Lo as she's often called often known as J-Lo Jenny from the block what she has to say is that things don't always turn out exactly the way you want them to be and you feel disappointed you're not always going to be the winner that's when you have to stop and figure out why things happened the way they did and what you can do to change them. Words of wisdom from J-Lo saying if you're going to make mistakes, stuff isn't going to go your way, but you need to go back and look at what happened and, and make the appropriate adjustments. You need to do the same things with our health, our wellness, so we can live long, healthy, happy, and sexy lives. Again, this is Sean Fitzpatrick. Thank you for joining me. Peace, love, and I'm out.